You're listening to Rick Flynn. With a shout out from London Town, it's Rick Flynn presents. Now, ladies and gentlemen, your MC for the affair, Rick Flynn. Well, hello, everyone. Happy New Year, although it's not quite New Year's Eve. At the time we're recording the show, by the time you hear it, it will be past New Year's Eve. And we want to welcome in one of our illustrious guests that has helped us so much throughout the year. And we're going to comment upon this year, 2021, the most mixed up of years that you and I could have ever faced. And that includes you, my dear guest, Sabrina Shaheen Cronin from the Cronin Law Firm in Michigan, one of our, what I like to call, our blue chip guests on Rick Flynn Presents, and that's what you are. You are a blue chip. You're like Cincinnati's Procter & Gamble. You're a blue chip stock. We're never going to lose money on Sabrina on this wonderful show, and I'm delighted that you can take your time to be part of it. It's an honor to be with you. You, Sabrina. Thank you, Rick. It's been such an honor. And may you have an amazing holiday season, a great new year, and 2022 will be our best year yet. Well, I'll tell you, you're not in Michigan right now. You're making me extremely jealous as we're up here in the Midwest fighting 30 degree cold temperatures and not much snow. I'm going to say that and no ice, thank God. But it's been cold lately. And tell everybody where you are. Yes, it's been super cold back in Michigan, but I'm in Florida. I'm enjoying a few days here before the holidays with my kids and I'm just loving it. I love the sunshine and the warmth. Although today is a little bit of a windy, stormy day, but usually it's just it's just amazing. I love the uh, the sunshine. It's hard to beat it, especially coming from uh, the cold and the snow uh, back home. But we'll be back, returning back for the uh, Christmas Eve and Christmas Day holidays. You know, we got to enjoy it while, while we have it. Boy, isn't that the truth? Absolutely. And mm-hmm. Sabrina, I know things are bustling at the law firm and you are with the Cronin Law Firm, C-R-O-N-I-N Law Firm out of Michigan. I read where you had an assistant there that apparently, as I understand it, she was going to law school. She passed and you swore her in to the bar or something. What was the story there? Yes, I did. In Michigan, as in many states, when someone, they they call it passing the bar. And uh, when you take the bar exam, which in many states is a two, sometimes three day examination, when you pass it, then you are entered to practice law in that state only after admissions. So meaning you have to be in front of a judge and get sworn in. It's almost like making a motion before the court that you believe that this person is worthy of being admitted to practice in that state. So the the, the term, and a lot of people don't even realize this, the term passing the bar means literally in many courtrooms of years ago, and still some have to this day, the part of the 
courtroom where you have to enter only lawyers and their clients can go beyond the area of the courtroom that literally has a bar. It's almost like a you walk through like a, a, a mini door. That is the where the term came from, passing the bar to walk through that door you have to have a bar license. So what I did for Samantha, whom I just adore, and she's been a major part of the firm now for the last couple of years. I hired her the very first season of COVID. Actually, I did all my video interviewing of her and uh, she just proved herself to be such a stellar candidate that I hired her. She's been an amazing law clerk for the last couple of years. And then she, I gave her time off to take the bar, to study for the bar exam. And she passed with flying colors, which I knew she would. And when she passed the examination, I offered and she she asked me if I would swear her in. And that's such a huge honor. And so we had her family at the office and we had a little reception. And because we were still doing everything remotely and virtually through the courts, there's a, a dear friend of mine who's a judge on the bench and uh, of Oakland County. And so she swore Samantha in. And it was a very nice event and a very nice celebration. And we had, like I said, her family members and uh, her fiance and a couple of friends at the office. And we had a little reception for her. And what was her position prior to her becoming a lawyer? A law clerk. She was a law clerk. So she went from law clerk and now she's an attorney at your firm. She is. Yep. She's an associate attorney at my law firm the most recent attorney to be hired in. Boy, that is speaking. great. Yeah. That yeah. is great. Now you have lawyers over there that represent all various different types of law. Your specialty, well, you have a couple specialties at least. Number one, you're the the expert on family law, and we all know that. I think the nation knows that for sure. <laughs> and, but yet you, I just learned that you also do entertainment law. I do only because of my, you know, my passion for music and my having been a uh, performer and in the industry for my entire life, basically more in the music side of things, but I was also in the acting and, and dance, a professional, you know, dancer. But the, the <laughs> when I say that, I, I laugh, but it is, I did, uh, did some New York, you know, Broadway stuff and musical theater type, but I have always had a passion for the performing arts and having worked in New York, as you and I discussed, uh, I just saw that there was a need for good representation and entertainment law by its nature is business oriented and real contract law. And we do a lot of business and contract law at the office at my firm. But I personally do more of the entertainment side of it, as well as criminal defense, in addition to the family law side of things. I also do litigation, but my law firm does a lot of all types of litigation, from personal injury to wrongful termination to sexual harassment, slip and falls, those kinds of things, um, product liability cases, medical malpractice. We also do a lot of, um, like I said, business, probate work guardianships, estate planning, wills, trusts, et cetera. So those are our primary areas of focus at the firm. And we excel at them and, and really, really do focus on the client experience. We want to make sure every client who walks through our door, whether it's a, a real client, a potential client, a 
former client, friend of the firm. We want to just make sure everyone feels heard and feels as though their needs matter because they do. Everyone deserves respect. Absolutely. And also for those that weren't with us on an earlier show where we discussed your show business career, you actually in New York now, not Michigan where you are now, although you lived there at the time, you used to fly into New York or drive in and that's where you actually had an album release and you put the album on the charts there on the pop charts or wherever it was and you actually were a singer on the chart at the same time that you were a budding lawyer coming up in the profession i'm not going to meet too many people who in my life who are going to be able to tell me that i wanted to know (laughs) how could you practice law in michigan but yet have this musical career where you're on the chart out of a record company in new york and you're performing in new york i don't see how you had enough hours in the day (laughs) well i don't know i you know i just love to stay busy what can i say and and it served me well now because with three kids and and a busy career and uh you know i work hard and i and i like to play hard so you know it's all good I have a lot of energy. <laughs> oh, boy, I'll tell you what. And uh, uh, you're also a sight for sore eyes, too, by the way. <laughs> oh, I love seeing you, Sabrina, every chance that the good Lord gives me. Uh, you're very kind. Thank I, you for saying I am going to tell you. Now, your website for the law firm itself is crononlawfirm.com. C-R-O-N-I-N, crononlawfirm.com. That is the firm that you began. You started it. That is the firm with whom you are the managing partner thereof. However, yeah, I did not know this until I believe it was the last time you appeared that you are now branching out. And the exciting thing about the law firm at this time is that Sabrina, that would be you, you're branching out more as a personality, quote unquote, because you are a television personality. You are an author. You are a public speaker, a motivational speaker, and you've got a brand new, totally Sabrina-oriented website, which is your maiden name, which is SabrinaShaheen.com. I want to know how that's doing, and why don't you tell people about where that site is and what's going on there? Because I've been there several times. Oh, I think it's I think it's a wonderful site, and fill everybody in. Thank you so much, Rick. I, I really appreciate that, and I'm grateful because if it wasn't for my clients, and if it wasn't for people like you and others out there that have been receptive to what I give them and what I do to serve them, then I wouldn't have created this separate brand, so to speak. Um, Yes, I decided to use my maiden name because that's really who I am, Sabrina Shaheen. I was born into this amazing life with with that God-given name, and uh, I just wanted to honor that. And so as SabrinaShaheen.com, I wanted to provide those that 
were receptive to my help and those that really thought I could help them with the all the gifts and the wisdom that I've learned over the years. You know, I've I've been through a lot of life experiences and a lot of challenges as many of us have and I wanted to be able to harness that information and that wisdom and the experience and the knowledge that I've gained over the years and give back and provide some service in a way that will help others live their best life. Because I truly believe in my heart of hearts that everybody deserves happiness, but you have to be willing to look inward and understand that to truly be content and happy, it starts from within. And many people don't care to, to, to want to challenge themselves or be introspective. And that's okay too. It takes all types of people in this world. Some of us are on different levels. Some of us are on different planes. And you know what I believe might not be what someone else believes to be true. But my beliefs are such that in this lifetime, we are here to serve others and to do all we can to spread love. And that's really what I'm trying to do. That is remarkable. Now, your dad was a doctor. I never met your dad. What type of a doctor was he? And is he the one that instilled this work ethic in you? Or did you get that from school or from some other place? So I, you know, I, Rick, my father, my late father was an amazing man. He was very hard driving. He, he was born into this country. My grandparents were immigrants from Lebanon and they couldn't read or write. My grandfather, who I never knew because he passed before I was born. He, you know, shined shoes. He was a shoeman and, and they didn't have money. They didn't have means. And my father worked very hard at a young age. He himself was shining shoes at the age of seven. He put himself, himself through school. You know, the very traditional story of why this country is so amazing. Someone with nothing can work and work very, very hard and make something of himself or herself. And he did that. And he had an amazing work ethic. And and maybe I got my energy from him because he, you know, went to school and he worked and he worked two, three, four jobs and he put himself all the way through medical school. And he had a passion for serving others. He had a passion for caring for people. And while he also had a separate business, he started a real estate development company while being a physician. So he put some monies and he invested. His first investment was in a mobile home community. And then he just went on from there. And then he had a passion for taking care of the elderly. And he started retirement homes and nursing homes. And, and he did a lot of those things as well, which which lended itself really more toward his medical field by serving that um, area of the population, that demographic. But um, he loved caring for people. And he he did have an amazing work ethic. I mean, he he was a very hard driving, huge workaholic, and and some may say to the ex excess. But you know, I learned by watching him. And you know, he didn't he didn't give me my business on a silver platter. He didn't. I didn't. I started this law firm with nothing and but my hard work and my dedication, and not even you know money to my name, so to speak. But I worked very very hard. And here I am, you know, 10 years later, and I'm very proud of what I built. And I do owe it to him because I owe his his teaching me how to be tough and how to be strong really was from him. And 
really having to uh, live in an upbringing where he was such a tough man. And so I learned that from him. And then I like to think that I learned my softer side from my mom. So I like to think I have the best of both worlds, but uh, both best, the best of both of their personalities. But uh, um, was, yeah, in, was in, he in, a yeah, surgeon? He was he a family no, he practitioner? A, he was a family practitioner and he was very old school. He used to, back in Saginaw, we had, um, when I was growing up, we had a lot of farm. I'm from Saginaw, Michigan, which is a small town. And there was a lot of farming community outside of the city of Saginaw and uh, in the in the outlying areas of Saginaw. It was a huge farming community. And my father used to do a lot of um, house calls and he would take he would take produce in exchange for his services. And so he would be bringing home bushels and bushels of, you know, corn or blueberries or, you know, I remember one of his patients used to make me dolls and clothing for my dolls. And it was just it was amazing. But, uh, but he was, you know, that was when his practice was real, you know, thriving and uh, really thriving back then. And and then when insurances started, you know, kind of overtaking more, and he was getting older and older, and, you know, he was less and less practicing as a family practitioner and doing more of his businesses. But and then in his latter, latter years, he was getting more sick. So he left his medical practice. But but yeah, that's the story of my father. And your mother was based basically a, a housewife that raised the children? She did, but she also worked in some of the businesses. She has a very keen eye for interior design work and she managed some of his properties and she also did all the interior design work for a lot of his facilities, the retirement home. And as it grew more and more, she did she did more of that. So she has a creative side to her as well. And, and she, my mom is a very well-read, smart woman and also Lebanese. She did uh, a lot of that work and supporting all of the businesses as well. So very, very well. <laughs> does she, and a great cook. Does she and look like her daughter, Sabrina? Or should I say, I do I look like her? I think I'm a combination of the two of them. Some people say I look a lot like my mom, which is wonderful because my mom's a beautiful lady. And uh, I'm very, uh, I, I'm super uh, honored when someone would, would say that. So if I can look like her when I'm her age, I would be very, very pleased. Very so. well. Now, Sabrina, in your lifetime, have you ever, ever known of a year which was as mixed up and confusing to live on this planet than what we've been through in the last 365 days. Has it been a mess or what? You know, Rick, as soon as you asked me that question, I just got chills because, you know, I think so many of us just wanted to exhale after January 1st, 2021 came, you know, and to put 2020 behind us. But it's it's gotten so strange and it's gotten so uh, confusing and awful. I mean, honestly, the, the, the stories that we've had over this last year, you know, from the chip shortages and the inflation and the cybersecurity attacks and leadership changes and uh, it's and nobody knows who to believe and and you can't have an opinion anymore and and people's opinions isolate one another and there there isn't any critical thinking anymore it it honestly it saddens me and and I'm not political you know but I, I don't know if you had recently seen um 
the last signing off of uh, Brian Williams from MSNBC. Oh, I and read about it. Message, I didn't see it. Yeah, you know, I read about it. Even his message was cryptic. And it's like, what is going on? You know, it's nobody knows who to believe. Nobody knows what the pandemic, you know, how it started or why, or does the vaccine really work or doesn't it? And we're just, the, 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 it's just like everyone's following these leaders that are supposed to be leading us in the right way. But, but are they, you know, and, and nobody's reading beneath the headlines and the media is just sensationalizing everything. And, and you're okay. So long as you hate Donald Trump. And I, it's just, it's just <laughs> amazing to me without getting political. It, it's just amazing to me how nobody thinks critically anymore, or the majority of people do not think critically anymore. And they take as true, just a major headline that doesn't even have any kind of objectivity or journalism at all. And it's um, as someone who loves to learn and loves knowledge and likes to read and study things and research, it's disheartening. And people just don't want to know. It's almost as if they want to be blind or they want to live in denial or they just want to continue down this path. And to me, it's, it's scary as a mom of three young kids that the government now is saying one thing in one realm and another in another, and they're not applying the rules across the board equally. You know, as an employer, I can't treat one employee differently from another. No, no, you cannot. It's okay. It's okay to treat your body one way and my body, my choice, but then in another, you can't. And so I'm, I'm, I'm having a really hard time with reconciling all the disparity in our country. Boy, isn't so, that the truth? That's where I stand. <laughs> that is the truth. Yeah. That was a mouthful. <laughs> no, no, it was a mouthful, but it needed to be said. And here's a quote. This will set you off nicely. I stand behind Alec Baldwin because there's no way I'm standing in front of him. <laughs> Oh your comment, ma'am, your comment. Oh, I don't know if I want to comment on that. You know, I, I how can you have a loaded firearm on a movie set and you're there playing around with it or whatever happened? And I'm not well, going to you know, state he was playing around with it. Let me just say, was it not an error of errors to have that instrument, if we could call it that, on the set to begin with? And I mean, I made a movie myself. It was a B movie. It was not the type that he made where he got paid millions for it. But in that film, when I made it, Sabrina, there was a gun involved and I played the part of uh, a character that had it. They checked that thing time after time and before, during, after, on breaks. There was no way that thing was going to fire. It was just repeatedly checked because it's a dangerous instrument. And lo and behold, we were outside, Sabrina, I'm telling you the God's truth. We were outside filming for the part. I played the, the role of this detective sergeant. And darn it, if they, they didn't call the police, but they called the house where we were standing in front of and said, oh, is there anything? Did anybody get killed? Did anybody get hurt? What's the matter? What's the matter? Can we help? They said, excuse me, we're making a movie. 
Right. Yes. Right. So, I mean, that's what happened. Everybody was on the lookout because things were not the same. We were making a movie, a B movie at the one of the production people's homes, and that's what happened. Now, with the Alec Baldwin case, of course, you're on a much higher budget, more help, more this, more that, more experts involved. I failed to see how this happened, and I'm sorry it happened, but I don't want to drag out your opinion on it, but do you have anything you could say other than the fact that if they had it to do over again, you know they would have done things differently? Well, uh, yeah, and it was just obviously a huge, huge accident that should have never happened. If you know, and that that's why you can never assume that something was done. You have to double and triple check something, and especially when it comes to weapons and guns, and and it's it's carelessness. And um, honestly, I feel like that's that's a good word for this entire year is carelessness. Yes, I, yes. I, I just, I mean, it's it's like. I, I think it can be a metaphor or an analogy as why we are where we are. It's a carelessness for an inner look at what's really happening and what's going on and, and asking why, asking the hard questions. Why are we where we are? What got us here? What is the problem? Um, and have a really huge understanding as far as, you know, critical analyses of, of what's going on. And and I think, I, I think in his case and in the whole accident with the gun and uh, it's unfortunate and should he have been more careful should he have double checked it was it his job was it his assistant's job was it the people on the set was it the guy or the the girl that was the woman or the the person who was handling that um, prop I, i don't know i don't know but it's unfortunate Yes, um, definitely. You know, there you know there's an old shooting. saying, by the way, excuse mm-hmm. me, there's an old saying. They they say, a loaded gun never killed anyone, you know? Mm-hmm. A loaded sure gun had. never killed anyone. They always say, it was unloaded, I thought. It was unloaded. It was unloaded. Uh, the loaded guns don't kill anybody. It's those unloaded ones, they always say, that did it. Or the person using it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, what a mess. It's, just, it's, it's a mess, but... You know, we recently had near my hometown, well, where I live in Clarkston, Michigan, is uh, Oxford, which I don't know if it's a national, it was a, turned out to be a national story where one of the students, you know, killed several of the students. It was a recent, um, recent horrible, horrible tragedy. And, and what type of, of school course, is you know, Oxford? Is it junior high? High school, junior high? It was a high school. It was high a high, school. public high school in Oxford, which is a, a small town in the Detroit metropolitan area, northern community, northern suburb. Several of the students, one of the students in particular, got some notoriety because he went and tried to save other students. He, he blocked the gunman. He, he, he went to and tried to rush the guy with the gun. And uh, he was a junior. He was a football player. And I guess he was given an honorary degree from Michigan State because Michigan State University was one of his dream schools to go to for and play football. He was a football player. And uh, it just, and there are three other deceased students now as well. So four total and several majorly injured. And I, and I don't know if other students, I, I really don't know at this point what other students or teachers were injured, but it was a very bad, very awful human tragedy. And it's, and again, we're having the gun issue. And, and then there were some people in the news 
getting and in our government, our local government, criticizing the school and saying that the school could have done more. And, you know, until you're on the inside and until you know all the facts, I've never been one to judge, really, because until you know all the facts and you know both sides very, very well, and perhaps that's where my legal skills and acumen come into play, because I don't like judging unless I know exactly where that person has been or who that you know where the school was and is with respect to how they handled that student and all the policies and procedures that that student that that school had in place you know and all the children and I do know that our local sheriff's office responded very very quickly otherwise it could have been a huge massacre uh so I was actually very proud of our local Oakland County Sheriff's Office who responded very quickly to that. But it's just a huge tragedy. But everyone is so quick to react and respond negatively until you're on the inside. You just don't know. And that's that's why I don't want to respond to this Alec Baldwin issue because I don't know. I haven't taken the time to really study all the facts. I just know that these are accidents that should never have happened. Right. You weren't there and neither was I. Mm -hmm. So you haven't walked a mile in the shoes of the people that were involved. Right, right. And that's the problem in our society today across the nation. I mean, everyone is so quick to criticize our country. Everyone's so quick to criticize those people in office. Everyone's so quick to criticize and judge things from the outside without really understanding the depth of that topic or that issue. And I have a problem with that. I, first of all, I think our presidency should be respected. Perhaps you don't necessarily like or like the president or what he is doing or she is doing, you know, hopefully someday we'll have a woman in president in the presidential position. It's one thing not to like the person. It's another thing to show disrespect for the presidency or our office, because this is our country. Show some respect for the country in which we live. I criticize it. I, I just, I, I have a very hard time with the fact that you're reaping all the benefits of living in our amazing country, but you're not supporting it. Um, I have a hard time with that. No, I, uh, well, I join you there and it's not, I have never not had respect for the party that has that job. And quite frankly, it's not worth the the small amount of money that they get paid to do it. If they weren't wealthy by other means, I don't know why anybody would even want it. Mm-hmm. It would well, really, you're issue, not, right? I mean, they don't go issue, in but... it for that small salary, you know? No, 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 for sure. For sure. Let's scoot down to something I saw in the paper this year, Sabrina, and and it's in Detroit, WXYZ TV, who I'm sure you've heard of. It's a major ABC Mm -hmm. affiliate in Detroit. Mm -hmm. It got 66,000 hits the last I checked. Quote, Detroit Police Department scrutinizing a sergeant that racked up 93 complaints and 12 lawsuits. 93 complaints and 12 lawsuits. Now Detroit PD is scrutinizing that person. And Sabrina, my question to you is this. Can you tell me on the lay circuit for a layman or a lay woman or however you want to phrase it. How about a non-government position? Can you name me a job where you will rack up 
93 complaints. Forget about the 12 lawsuits. That's bad enough. But where are you going to rack up 93 complaints and still walk in and have a job the next day? Does this make sense? Where Reason with me. Why does this go on, Sabrina? Well, again, that's the internal oversight of that management. You know, a, a police department is very similar to any other organization and how they have leaders and management and, you know, different people in power. Is it not about customer service? It's customer service. It should be. But the thing is, is now I I don't know who was, who was protecting him. I, 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 you know, and he perhaps settled lawsuits. Many police have lawsuits against them. I do know that. And, you know, some are rightfully dismissed and some are obviously not. Some are prosecuted to the fullest extent and should be, as we have seen in recent years. Oh, yes. Um, Some have an abuse of power. You know, sometimes when you're in that position of power for so long, your tolerance, you you think what's normal and your behavior, it, it only escalates because they're not trained to realize, okay, this is not normal. This is not a normal reaction. As a police officer, yes, I'm here to serve and protect others, but I'm taking it too far by doing what some of these allegations are, you know, that he supposedly has done, this um, this uh, Detroit police officer or sergeant. Apparently he's a sergeant. But, um, you know, I, I don't know. I, it just seems pretty amazing to me that it went on. He has 93 complaints. It'd be interesting to see what those complaints are. 12 lawsuits, that seems pretty uh, amazing that he had that many and nothing was done. Nothing I, was I don't understand. done. I don't understand. I mean, I know as lawyers, we have to answer to the Attorney Grievance Commission. I mean, if someone doesn't like something, if someone if someone thinks a bill is excessive, they complain about lawyers, which I think is not fair. I know doctors have boards that they have to you know answer to, and they have their their whole nationwide thing that you know doctors have to make sure they're buttoned up and and acting accordingly and i know certain things fall through the cracks of course but it's hard for me to believe that this officer the sergeant got away with this for that long that's that's unreal to me that's a lot that's excessive oh i totally agree and 12 lawsuits that's 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 it's absurd how about that unbelievable Mm mm-hmm Oh my, oh my. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Sabrina Shaheen Cronin. She is the managing partner of the Cronin Law Firm. She also is branching out under her own new brand, I guess you can say. Although to me, Sabrina, it's not new because you've been doing these workshops and and meeting with the clientele virtually. And hopefully you're going to do it in person when they allow you to do it. But virtually, you've been having your workshops such as How to Feel Empowered, such as The Art of Loving Yourself, and other matters that would concern both men and women. And that was the purpose of your Sabrina Shaheen website. And that's S-A-B-R-I-N-A, your first name, Shaheen, S-H-A-H-E-E-N, SabrinaShaheen.com. And somebody can go there and they can actually book you in, quote unquote, uh, to participate in one of your workshops. Is this true? Yes, I'm actually having a uh, a workshop. Um, we're going to be 
announcing it and, and unveiling it. Actually, it's going to be out for public in February. Um, I have two. I have the Art of Loving Yourself and I have the uh, the co-parenting uh, workshop as well. And, you know, um, Rick, I had done live workshops even before COVID. And, and so, and it was always done through the law firm. And because it did become so popular and it was helping so many people, uh, I really did this, like I said, at the beginning of our podcast session today, I did this because of the resounding popularity of it. And it's really born out of everyone's amazing feedback to me. And, and I, I just love helping people and serving. And I would really like to change the way the courts uh, handle certain things with respect to either divorcing or separating um, parents and, and with respect to custody. Because just because you're moving away from a relationship and there's children involved, it doesn't mean you have to, you know, burn down that bridge and, and become horrible to one another because the children suffer. And it does take a strength. It does take a fortitude in that person and a sort of a wherewithal to pull yourself up from your bootstraps and not be immature in dealing with the other parent. It's hard. It takes firm boundaries. It takes a strength, like I said, an inner strength. And that's what I'm here for. I'm here to help you navigate those waters, whether you're moving on from a long-term marriage and you have children, or it's just, you know, you have children with somebody and you were never with that person. Custody is custody and children are children and they need to be nurtured even during a tumultuous time. Children didn't ask to be put in the middle. They didn't ask to be pawns. They didn't ask to be a part of this tumultuous time. I want parents to see and recognize that, look, it's not fair. Your children deserve happiness too. So let's try to do this peacefully, maturely, and amicably, no matter what you have been through, no matter what trauma you may have endured. And sometimes it's horrible trauma. Sometimes it's horrible, unspeakable abuse, but you still can do it with peace and dignity. And that's why I'm having my workshops and my sessions and my coaching, because I believe that people can be better and people can do better. And by being the change and by exhibiting and, and inhibiting that type of behavior within you and experiencing that, then you can experience a better life, not only for you, but for your child and children. Well, so, Sabrina, you, you talk about how to, how to be empowered, how to mm -hmm. feel empowered or be empowered. That could help a single woman, for example, that has, that is not married married and has no children. A lot of women today, and you know, I'm not going to say just women, there are people who present themselves and they lack self-confidence. Is Am I right there? And couldn't a workshop in empowerment help anybody that needs to yeah. learn self-confidence? Is that right? Yes, a hundred percent. And that's what I'm teaching them. And it and you're right, it can apply across the board, not just for a parent trying to navigate the waters of co-parenting, but also with respect to oneself. You know, whether you identify yourself as a he, him, her, she, it, they, or any one of those other, you know, pronouns out there, it's all about empowerment and feeling in your skin comfortable with who you are and then embracing that, feeling it, loving yourself, and then being the best version of yourself to the world. And only until you can feel that within will you be able to then exhibit that without. Okay. All right. How about this? 90% of marriage today 
is shouting what from different rooms? <laughs> True or false? 90% of marriages are what? Is shouting what from different rooms? Yeah. I mean, you know, in terms yeah. of the lack of communication and the lack of being I No, I, th- I think it means that if you're married, you'll be all throughout your house and your husband would be, Sabrina, what? And you'll be in yeah. all, all various locations throughout your marriage, but they're always going to be yelling out your name. Well, you know, <laughs> yeah, I mean... Some people take people for granted and, you know, they, it's, it's not uncommon to do that. It takes work to have a uh, unified, um, loving, mature, and emotionally intimate relationship, you know, and, and also there are a lot of people that, you know, still really want that sexual intimacy as well. And, and it's important in marriages, it's important in close relationships to feel connected on multiple levels. So yeah, I, uh, I think you should walk up leave that room and go to that person and and look at them in the eyes and talk with them. Ah, I see. Yes. Quit yelling what from different rooms and go right and find the other party. Mm -hmm. Reach out to them. Be the person you want them to be to you and see how that changes. There we go. (laughs) I'm going to go along with that. All right. Now, Mm -hmm. another one that has just baffled me in the past year, Sabrina, I, I I can't figure this out for the life of me, but I need your help on this one. You're going to think that I am, well, that I'm misstating the story. You're going to think that I'm making a mistake by telling you that this man was arrested for trying to break out of a prison. That's not what he was arrested for. N-O-T. Sabrina. This man had not one, not two, not three. He had four knapsacks full of contraband, and they arrested him trying to break into the prison because you know what he thought? He thought, well, look, I have four cases full of cell phones. I have four cases full of drugs. I've got marijuana in here. I've got the little papers you twist them up with. I've got all of this contraband you're not allowed to have. Four cases worth. But you're never going to believe this, Sabrina. He thought if he would get it in there by other means... Mm -hmm. that somehow these lads who would end up with it, you're never going to, he thought maybe they wouldn't pay. Well, I I know about the, um, are you talking about the four Richmond County deputies who were arrested for smuggling? No, he was a Hispanic guy. Yeah, no, different guy. There's a, well, this was four different deputies that were smuggling things into. Oh, I read that article. Yes. No, this yeah, was one yeah, guy. Was different. Okay. One yeah. guy. One guy with something. four knapsacks yeah. and they, mm-hmm. he, first of all, assuming he would have made it in, I don't know how he was going to do it, whether he was going to cut through the, the, the fence and, and crawl under, uh, but let's say he had done that. The mere fact that he was going to do that and walk down the hall with four knapsacks in his hand. How was that going to happen? Sabrina, are there people, is it fair to say, as you look at society? And what was it my father say? He said, um, they don't have the brains that God gave them. Yeah. 
How, (laughs) how are you you going to do it? Honestly, well, honestly, Rick, you know, to that, to, to that comment you just said, most criminals are very, very smart. If they would spend their time on legitimate means of making money versus criminal means, they could be very, very well to do. They are wicked smart from some of these guys. And, you know, it's amazing the ingenuity and the wherewithal and they, they, but they use their, their intelligence for, for, you know, obviously bad, not good, but there are a lot of cases of prison smuggling. I mean, there's, you know, oftentimes a lot of drugs there, whether it's through their, you know, their private parts or, you know, yes. smuggling things in, or I don't know what was on these, in these four knapsacks that this gentleman had, whether it was a lot of cell phones he had money. in there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, right. You said cell phones. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's not uncommon. I mean, there's a lot of people, like I said before, like, like the sheriff's deputies were smuggling stuff in. I mean, there's crooked, there's crooked all over. I mean, whether it's a, a crooked cop or doctor or lawyer or, you know, dentist, or, I mean, there's a lot of crooked people in the world. So <laughs> I don't know. It's it's amazing. It's amazing what people will do. Absolutely. Now out they in think it's a silver bullet, getting them, you know, an easy way out, uh, an easy way into more money or uh, it's it's just incredible to me what greed will do for people. Greed. Is that it? Is mm-hmm. that what's behind it? Greed and, and money. Laziness. They think that they think it's an easy way out, an easy way to riches, an easy way to more money instead of working hard and doing what my late father did. Work hard. People nowadays think that things should come easily and they don't want to put in the effort. They don't want to put in the effort for anything. They don't want to put in the effort for relationships. They don't want to put in the effort to be happy. They don't want to put in the effort to lose weight. They don't want to put in the effort to get, you know, more muscles, work harder, have a better, you know, better health, better heart, stronger body, stronger mind, everything. People think things should come easily and it just doesn't. It's, you know, anything worth anything in our lives takes work. And if people would just realize you got to hunker down in order to alleviate anxiety, just do the work, put in the time, study for that test, you know, work on your homework. You know, I tell my kids, you know, if you want to alleviate the anxiety about your test then study, if you know something, you won't be so anxious about it. Do the hard work, then you'll get there. Right. Okay. The exam for one of the uh, law enforcement uh, promotional test somewhere. You've probably heard about this. The man filed a lawsuit because he placed first in the um, the test scores, but they didn't hire him. They hired somebody who took the exact same test and placed far underneath him. He said, well, why didn't you hire me? I was the top scorer. I, I, <laughs> you know, I scored an A, or I don't know if he got them all right, every question right, but by far, he was the highest scorer on the exam. And they said, Mm -hmm. no, we cannot hire you because our statistics have shown that if we hire somebody who is an A student like you and gets all these answers correct and they're all right, Sure, you're smarter than B, C, or D over here that took the test, but our records show that these people that are that smart and that intelligent, they don't stay with the organization long enough to where we make our money back in what it costs for training. So in other words, to paraphrase what they told the gentleman, they said, we got to go with the dumber person because they stick with us longer and we get our money's worth. And you know what? He filed suit. I 
I think, and I'm going off the top of my head, I don't have it written in front of me, but I believe the courts bought that argument. What is your opinion on that? Should that happen or no? Is that wrong? Well, I don't, I wouldn't say it's right or wrong. I think that every organization has different policies and different criteria that they use to hire someone. And sometimes, you know, it's similar to universities when you have applicants and they may be a four point student or four point, you know, five, if, if you're in a high school that gives you more credit for or more points for A pluses. I don't know, some schools do and some schools don't, but you know, they're not always the ones accepted if they don't have good ACT or SAT scores, or they're not volunteering in their community, or they don't have any extracurricular activities. So it really just depends on the um the different policies and procedures of an organization. And, you know, I I I would have, if I were that person's lawyer, I would have definitely said that to them because just because you get the top score on something doesn't necessarily mean you're the best candidate for the job. And I can, I can see that because in law school, for instance, the top students in law school are now I know some of them aren't even practicing law. And some of them I know can't even handle working as a lawyer. In fact, I hired a top student from the University of Michigan Law School in my law firm, and she couldn't handle the stresses of the day-to-day job that my law firm required. And, and, and it's not just my law firm, it's the stresses of being a lawyer in general. It's very hard sometimes. To, the, the practice of law is not easy. We have issues that we're dealing with. We have clients. We have opposing counsel. We have judges. We have the stresses of so many different things we're managing that unless you have that capacity to handle that, just because you're a top you know, student at a top university doesn't necessarily mean you'll be successful. And that's why I tell students when I, when I lecture to students and when I talk to them and when I'm teaching and, and leading, just because you are a, an amazing student doesn't mean you're going to be an amazing lawyer or any other type of career you want to go down. Success in in grades also doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be successful. What I find to be more crucial is someone's work ethic, their tenacity, their perseverance, their preparedness. If I'm going up against another attorney in court, I don't get intimidated by that person's CV or resume. I would much rather be the person who's more prepared than if they, you know, I don't care if they were a 4.0 at Harvard. If I'm more prepared than they are, I know I'm going to do a much better job in court and I'm going to win that trial over they will be if they're resting on their laurels. I mean, if they're prepared, that's one thing. But Just because someone's a straight A student doesn't necessarily mean they're the best person for the job. And it doesn't matter if they went to Harvard, Yale, Princeton, uh, or any other, you know, top Ivy League schools or where they went to school. That's why when people ask me, does it matter where I go to law school? You know, sometimes it matters in terms of your, you know, your colleagues and who you're around. And everybody says that, you know, it's who you know, where you get the best opportunities. And yes, so that's true to some degree. But you can make your own opportunities if you work hard and you you can you can get there. It might take you a little longer, but you'll get there and it will be much more rewarding if you did it on your own rather than rest on, you know, who you knew to get you to that job. Because in the end, even if you knew somebody that got you that job, that person is not going to help you keep that job. It's your work ethic and work ethic and tenacity and perseverance happens because you 
you learned how to do that. And you learn how to do that by sometimes taking the longer route to get there. Now, in the case of the attorney that you had working for you that uh, could not handle all of the stress, I'll bet you that individual and others like her, male and female, they go accept a job somewhere that's totally unrelated to practicing law. Uh-huh, yes. Like, for do. example, raising horses or working at something that they enjoy. Right, yes. I- yeah. Is that true? That's true. Some, or they do something else or they do well, well, it, or the teaching or, or private tutoring or something that's more on their, that they can have on their schedule. Maybe not teaching for an institution, but maybe just like an adjunct professor somewhere or where they don't have to have a very busy schedule. Uh, yes, that that is very true. Okay, one one more thing and we're going to get out of here. A Utah man fired a gun at his father. I, hopefully he didn't hit him. It didn't say it hit him. He fired one at his father after his dad brought home the wrong chicken wing order. What (laughs) what's going on here? What what anger management? Does that maybe ring a bell here? Yeah, uh, you know sometimes people, and so this is where the argument of they say gun control. You know, it's it's very hard to regulate who has guns. Yes. Um. You know, but that's why it's so crucial for people that maybe are not as emotionally secure or you know mentally sound should not be having access and exposure to guns. And I don't know if his father knew that his son had the propensity for being a little uh, unstable, but uh, obviously this looks to me to be someone who has some mental incapacities. Obviously it's not right. Isn't that the truth? Thank you. And that's why when you're having like road rage and stuff, you just never know who you're going up against. Oh, that road rage. I'll tell you that we could (laughs) get into that. Road rage, Sabrina has killed people. It sure has. Oh, my. Let's just not go there at this time. We're out of time. (laughs) Here's what I'd like you to do, Sabrina. I've got my arm here. Grab onto my arm. We're going to walk over to my wishing well, you and I. And I have a penny for you. (laughs) Come on with me and let's walk over to my wishing well. And I'm going to. Oh, excellent. Here we go. And. Well, there it is. I want you to look down. There's a penny, a brand new penny. You throw it in the wishing well and say, goodbye, everyone. And I'm going to look in the wishing well and I'm going to say, thank you, everyone. Happy New Year. Thank you so much for having me, Rick. Happy New Year, everyone. Enjoy your holidays and may 2022 be your best year yet. Be your best year yet. Be your best year yet. I hope so. A boy can't get much worse. Ladies and gentlemen, you have been listening to Sabrina Shaheen Cronin, CronenLawFirm.com, SabrinaShaheen.com. On behalf of myself, Rick Flynn, our special, very special guest, Sabrina Shaheen Cronin, it's been fun, but we both have to run. Thank you all, and have a great, great upcoming new year. Goodbye, everyone. Happy New Year.
The preceding was a Rick Flynn production. This is your announcer, Chantal Marie speaking.